The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra. My passion, calling, and job is really all about blending together holistic practices with real evidence-based science to help people around the world cultivate more optimism, success, and resiliency. You won't want to miss this new podcast as you'll get to hear from elite athletes, recording artists, couples, and maybe even my toddler. So if you're into arming yourself with some new practical happiness tools, join me on Mondays for your morning optimism dose. Oh, and don't forget, things are looking up. Hey guys, it's Gobby and welcome to What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild. We got a little bit of a facelift. If you're new here, I'm Gobby. I'm the founder of What's Gobby Cooking, a bestselling author and now a podcast host. What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild, which is the latest version of my podcast, is your one-stop shop for all your food and cooking questions. We'll be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry and more. I'm also going to be interviewing some incredible people and highlighting super cool small companies from the food world. So let's get right into it. This is What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild. Hi, guys. Happy Monday. We are back for another Thanksgiving Q&A and interview with someone very special today. I'm so excited to introduce you to Ben Mims, who is a cooking columnist at the LA Times. He's written three cookbooks. He's a total badass, an amazing recipe developer. He's worked for tons of different food publications. And we are going to talk all things Thanksgiving and food and his career and all that jazz today. So buckle up and put your hands together for Ben. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm doing great, Gabby. How are you? I am so good. I'm so excited to have you here today. Everyone has sent in so many questions for you about Thanksgiving and life and all these different things. So <laughs> we're just going to roll right into it. First of all, how long have you been at LA Times? I've been at LA Times now for about a year and three quarters. So February will be the two-year anniversary. So. Amazing. And how did you get started in the food world? Like, what was your trajectory like? I got started in the food world because I knew that working in journalism, you know, you don't make a lot of money and you don't get, you know, it's not that glamorous of a lifestyle. So I was like, I need to be writing about something I love. And at the time, uh, when I was in college, it was either food or music, food just happened to work out. And so I moved to New York to go to culinary school. And then from there, Worked in a few restaurants, got an internship at a food magazine called Sever uh, way back in the day, and then have worked my way up ever since. Food media has been pretty great to me, so I really enjoy it. So cool. Sever was one of the best. Yeah, it was. Yeah, It really I, was. I, I long I, for those days. I know. I wish they would bring it back. Like, it feels like there's definitely space for, and people would be so pumped about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about what and tell everyone listening a little bit about what I know every day probably looks very different for you. But like, what does a typical week look like at LA Times? Like how many recipes are you developing and editing and all that jazz? Yeah. So, you know, obviously the holidays are everything's in overdrive. And so it's just like manic and crazy. But a typical week, I would say, starts out with, you know, ideally, if everything's going well in the world, um, taking a shopping trip on Monday to get everything that I need for the week. I usually spend Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays cooking as much as possible um, in my own home kitchen. We're working on, we're building a test kitchen now that's almost ready. I'll uh, be ready in a few months, um, but for now, working from home. And then Fridays are my kind of days to kind of catch up on things and do some writing. But most of the cooking happens 
in the middle of the week, probably no more than two recipes a week, I would say I'm working on any given time. But then, you know, during the holidays right now, it's could be 10. So it just depends on <laughs> the timing. But, you know, if everything is working out great, and there's plenty of room and thing and sort of maneuver around it's probably one or two recipes. okay so i have to ask you this because as someone else who develops recipes for a living i love leftovers okay what what is your vibe on like when you're testing a recipe and you're making it i don't know four times five times a week will you just test it have a bite and then like give it to your neighbors or you're like we're gonna have this every night for <laughs> this week you know i wish i could be the latter person but i <laughs> I don't know. I think I have a uh, past childhood trauma where I <laughs> cannot eat leftovers because as a kid, we had to eat them for like five days straight. And so I, as an adult, I've yet to really enjoy leftovers. Every once in a while, I'll get in the mood to like make a sandwich or make a stir fry. But for the most part, I would say in recipe development, the first time you make it, when you're the most excited about it, you're like, yes, that's when I'll kind of eat on it for a few days to see you know, how it lasts in the fridge or how it lasts at room temperature. Because I know a lot of people do that. But after a while, I'm so tired of it. I'll take literally one bite, cut that piece out, and then say to all my friends, I'm bringing you food. You can't even say yes or no. You just have to take it. I Open your door. <laughs> especially, <laughs> I'm sure, you know, especially like baked goods. I can't have it sitting around. No. It's too much. No, we, I have found Thomas sitting over the fridge multiple times with just a spoon and like <laughs> digging in. I was like, Thomas, <laughs> we, you, we've done this five days in a row. You can't do oh. it anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. Too much after that. It's so real. <laughs> okay, so also tell me a little bit about the cookbooks you've worked on. My first cookbook came out in 2014, and that was uh, a Southern desserts cookbook. I'm from the South originally and love to bake, and that was kind of one of my passions. And so that book came out where it was kind of going a little bit beyond just modernizing Southern desserts, you know, taking the sugar way down, trying to take the fat way down, but still semblance of like a celebration, like a, a thing that you would want to make for, um, you know, a birthday or an occasion. Second book I worked on was Short Stack book. Um, these little single subject books where I wrote about coconut, which was kind of like a very strange one, but I grew up with lots of coconut things. Coconut cake was one of my favorite dishes. I love the flavor and anything and everything. So I wrote about that. And then the third book I worked on was actually an air fryer book. I was approached to uh, write about air fryers. And it was at a time when I was, as a freelancer, working on a lot of like weird gadgets and cooking. There was an electric griddle book I was working on. And then I was also working at uh, BuzzFeed, working on their kind of like Bluetooth induction burner. Thing. I remember so, that. Yes. Lots of blinking lights were in my face <laughs> all the time. So I wrote an air fryer book, which was kind of was very proud of because it was Probably not the typical air fryer book that most people would want, but it was the one that I was going to do because I wanted to make things that, um, you know, really only would work in an air fryer. Like if they're better any other way, I'm not going to put them in the book. So there's some stuff that were there people expected, but a lot that weren't. But then, so those are the ones who've had my name on them. But in addition, I've also worked on uh, three of Tasty's uh, cookbooks. Um, I developed recipes for them and worked on those books. And my friend uh, Faraday, that again, who runs Test Kitchen at Munchies. I worked on their Chef's Night Out cookbook. So it's much more fun and less stressful to work on other people's <laughs> books yeah. now, for sure. <laughs> but so cool. I mean, how many recipes have you developed in your day? Thousands? Uh, I, I think at one point several years ago, I wanted to like keep track. But between the books and, you know, Severed, Food and Wine and all the places like Epicurious that I've developed for over the years, I truly... I've lost count. If it's not a thousand, it's probably close. I'd say the, the book, the cookbooks got me pretty close. 
wild. That's so cool. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So speaking of recipes, let's talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. First of all, what is your guys' plan this year? Because obviously it's not going to look like a traditional year. That's true. And usually in years past, we would have friends over and I, I'm kind of like, are you a control freak? Oh boy. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Control freak. Because I think, you know, in in our business, you have to be to um, make sure everything's done the way you want to be done. But for Thanksgiving's past, I always have friends over and I'm very much, I've come to accept like a Clark Griswold character where I kind of want the like ideal holiday thing to everything to go well and everyone to be happy. So I would definitely make a big turkey, all the sides. No one can contribute anything except for drinks. I don't want it in the house. But they, also my friends know this about me, so they don't even try to yeah. ask. But this year, I think because of all the, I mean, I spent the past three and a half weeks cooking every day straight of Thanksgiving recipes for LA Times. Um, both my partner and I are kind of tired of that flavor profile already. Yep. So we're probably going to have like Chinese takeout or do something that's not the traditional. Yeah. Like I feel like when you work in food media, you do Thanksgiving so many times so far ahead that by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, you're like, if I look at another turkey, <laughs> I'm going to shove it in someone's face. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just throw it at him. Be like, you yeah, took it. I'm over this. Give me a lasagna <laughs> or some orange chicken. Ooh, I don't even yes. care. Those are your plans. Chinese takeout. We're doing something similar. We're like probably getting takeout from a steakhouse with two of our mm. friends that are like in our little pod. But for people who don't work in food media and haven't had stuffing 75 times in the last couple of weeks, <laughs> what are your top three dishes that you must have on a on a traditional year? That's a great question. The number one always is sweet potato casserole. I love sweet potatoes. I love them if they are coated in pounds of sugar. I love them plain. I love them filled or blackened. Like I could eat sweet potatoes every single day of every single year. But definitely sweet potato casserole. But I grew up, I never had the marshmallow stuff growing up. My aunt always made the sweet potato casserole and it was always covered in like a brown sugar crumble that had cashews in it. Whoa. It was like, it was like very rich, yeah. but it just, it was, it was weird. It was like salty and brown sugary. So it was kind of butterscotchy. That was delicious. Always had that. I'm a stickler for a whole turkey. I'm not down with the deep frying. I'm not down with cutting it up. I think you should season it simply, throw it in the oven, let it do a thing, this thing. I also am very for overcooking it on purpose because whenever I think you try to get the turkey just right or just cooked and try to keep it all moist. Even then the dark meat seems somewhat pink and kind of like undercooked. So I found if you just like overcook crap out of it, the dark meat is like full pork. It just like falls apart. And the breast meat so smart. A little dry, but whatever. You're gonna end up putting You put gravy. gravy. Exactly. (laughs) So overcook the wait, that's such a hot tip. That's so smart because people get so nervous about that. I mean, I remember so the thing that changed my mind was uh, a couple of years ago uh, at my friend Faraday's house, I went to her family's Thanksgiving in rural Maryland and they had truly the biggest turkey I've ever seen. I think it was like a 26 pound. I didn't know turkeys got that big. It was as big as like those big like bouncy balls you see at the beach. Wow. And it had stuffing in it. And I think that thing cooked for like five or six hours, but because they were basting it, it was like the most beautiful bronze thing. The stuffing was the best thing I ever had in my life. I mean, it was over, you like barely pricked it with a knife and the whole thing fell apart, but it was the best turkey I'd ever had. So I was like, yeah, 
I'm overcooking it. I'm done with this. I trying to judge it when it's just done to keep it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Pulled pork carnita style turkey. So into this. (laughs) Oh my God. You guys, everyone do this for your Thanksgiving in a couple of weeks. Your lives are going to be changed. Okay. So if you weren't doing a turkey, if you were doing, if you're like, let's say you're just at home with your significant other, or you're just going over to your parents' house or whatever it is, what would be an alternative main you would do if you didn't want to cook a whole bird this year? We don't eat a lot of meat, but the one thing we do eat a lot of is lamb, oddly. So I am a big lamb shoulder fan, roast leg of lamb. I would actually do a pretty classic like uh, French country thing where you kind of shove a bunch of garlic cloves and rosemary into the meat and then just like let it go for like six, seven hours, maybe some white beans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some kind of like really heavy like rib stick and cassoulet would be good too. Like some kind of projecty thing. It feels special, but it's not taking up your entire oven per se. So you still clear it up. Exactly. Ooh, that's a great idea. (laughs) A cassoulet, super into that. Okay, so you mentioned this back when you were at your friend's house for Thanksgiving. Are you a stuffing in the bird or outside the bird or both? I mean, so I grew up with it outside uh, Mm -hmm. as as the dressing. I think you, you do get more control over it. It's easier to like bake ahead and prepare ahead. I don't know. There is something about stuffing inside the turkey. It does taste better. Yeah, because you get all those drippings. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could like take the drippings and just like pour them over your stuffing and then put it in the oven. But it's like, I think a lot of what makes Thanksgiving food so good too is this kind of the romance of it and the memories associated. So you kind of want the like dramatic stuffing inside the turkey thing because it even if it doesn't make it taste better than just pouring them over at the end, it makes it taste better in your mind. So it kind of... right. And And it's like a nice presentation. Like it's like it's theater. So you know you gotta gotta play it up. Yeah. Okay. So one more question that everybody like literally everybody wanted to know. What are a couple dishes that you think are safe to prep ahead of time? Like maybe the day before or the day of like two days before, and then you can reheat either in the oven, in the crock pot, on a skillet, whatever. But like what do you think still has its integrity? but you can prep it ahead. Definitely the cranberry sauce. So it's one of my favorite dishes. I love it, but you know, there's so much sugar in it and everything. You can keep it in the fridge. I sometimes make like uh, a preserve out of it because it's um, shelf stable. You can make that like a month ahead of time. Honestly, you really can. <laughs> make it today. <laughs> make it today. You'll be fine. Honestly, the gravy you can make like a week ahead of time. I'm very big on making that ahead of time because... You don't want to have to be making it when the turkey just came out and you're juggling a million things and like, oh God, I got to make gravy now too. So I just, um, I always use either homemade or store-bought. I have used it in the past. I'm not ashamed. I kind of poach the the organs and the neck, like all the giblets inside. And then I just like, you know, thicken it with some butter and flour and call it a day. Stick it in the freezer. Now, you can make it now. <laughs> Stick it in the freezer, warm it up right before. I mean, the desserts for sure. Get those out of the way at least three days ahead of time. Just like... So smart. Keep them wrapped up. Yeah, you're good. Okay, so I have some rapid fire questions. You just led me into my first one. Are you a pie or like a crisp kind of guy for Thanksgiving? Oh, God, pie. Because pumpkin pecan pie is the best. I love it. So good. But okay, so when you make your pie, are you making your pie crust from scratch? Well, yes. If I'm making pie crust, I am. Although this year, and you'll see in a few days, I'm very... I kind of go against pie. So I... Oh! Because I have a lot of opinions on if it's your first time making pie, you should not be making it for Thanksgiving. 
Touche. So, oh my God, I can't wait. I'm, you guys, whatever Ben is talking about, whatever special article is coming out, I will link it in the show notes. Okay, this great. is some hot intel. And when, if you are making your own pie crust, are you a butter or like a leaf lard kind of, or, or like a little both? I mean, butter does taste better, but again, I think I was, because I grew up using lard and it really does make a texturally flakier crust go lard because the flavors and fillings of Thanksgiving and fall and winter pies are so dominant. You really don't yeah, taste the Yeah, you don't even anyway. need the butter, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, use lard. Talk about side dishes. Green beans or Brussels sprouts? Green beans, but not in casseroles. Oh, okay. <laughs> tell us tell us your favorite Thanksgiving green bean vibe. I mean, growing up, my mom made these, the green bean bundles where you wrap, like I think like a handful of green beans in bacon and then you coat it in Italian salad dressing. So into it. It's, <laughs> I mean, the bacon's a little flabby, but it's delicious. <laughs> she always made that. I'm down for like a stir fry situation. I'm down for kind of like a, a, a slaw situation. I'll even steam them in like, you know, a drizzle of like, you know, balsamic or sesame mm-hmm. oil, something like that. But just simple. I like I like the vegetables, the green vegetables to be like somewhat healthy, healthful <laughs> in comparison to everything else. You can slather them in your giblet gravy and yes. not have any, not be worried about it. <laughs> that's a great, uh, that's a great hack. Instead of making the casserole, just throw the gravy on it and that's what it is. So it's like. There you go. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this, as everybody else will, because they were listening a few minutes ago. Sweet potatoes or regular mashed potatoes? Oh, sweet potatoes. I mean, I I write about this too. Coming up, there were, I am very perplexed at how mashed potatoes became a Thanksgiving thing, because to me, they're very like white rice, ordinary. It's what you have the rest of the year. So I don't understand why people go all out for the Thanksgiving um, sweet mashed potatoes, but I do understand why people like them. Obviously, they're wonderful. What we had at Thanksgiving instead of mashed potatoes was like a uh, shredded potato casserole. I made it from scratch and it's like fine, but honestly, buy the bag of Orida shredded potatoes and it's eggs. You put it for this and you put cornflakes on top and then you bake it. It's just like crunchy. Oh, then you put like cheddar cheese too. It's just like crunchy, cheesy. You can't have more than a spoonful. It's so rich, but it's really good. Cornflakes and cheddar cheese and potato and flakes. Sour cream is, and butter. Oh my God. <laughs> Nothing sounds better. Yes, it's so good. Okay, when it comes to stuffing, mm-hmm. we know you like it in the bird, but are you like a sourdough, French bread, cornbread? What's your vibe there? Mm-hmm. I grew up cornbread. So I think that is ultimately my favorite. But, you know, obviously living in California now, I, and even when I was in New York too, I'm, I've kind of converted to sourdough. I used to do a mix of both, but I think for this year, sourdough. And are you making your sourdough or are you going to like buy it from like some cool bakery here in LA? Yes. Definitely buying it from a bakery. I even, I mean, even during the quarantine, I was like, why are people making sourdough? It is not (laughs) worth it because so many people spend their lives perfecting it. It's so much better to buy it from them than to try to do it yourself. I was very against that thing happening, but Hey, you know what? If you make a good loaf, and use your loaf because that's, you know, using what you got. I remember at the beginning of quarantine, my husband decided to get into sourdough baking and he would like use six cups of my white flour. Like, and I was like, Thomas, this is, this is ha ha commodity right now. You cannot be using six <laughs> cups of flour. You can't find flour anywhere. <laughs> Wasn't that bizarre that that was taking off at the same time there was a flour shortage? I'm like, this is why. It was crazy. But I will say it was so cool because I found all these like small 
purveyors of flowers from like Montana or Minnesota that we would order from. Yeah. And honestly, it was so cool to A, support those small businesses and B, their flowers is better. That is true. Like it's true. way more delicious. It has lots more flavor and texture and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Okay. One more quick fire question. And then I want to talk a little bit about LA. Okay. Are you, are you into brining and are you a dry briner or a wet briner? Definitely dry briner. Mostly because I can't be bothered to buy those swimming pool bags. And <laughs> I also cannot be bothered to buy a cooler. To like, it's just, It seems too messy. Like, yeah. I like to open You need curb. so much real estate. And so much water. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a water waste person, but you kind of have to become one once you live in California. I'm just like, do you really want to waste that much water on just brining? I also think it's just so much better. I like to treat my turkey like my chickens. And I love to use like Zuni method of just crusting it with salt and let it sit in the fridge the night before and it really dries out the skin so it gets crispy yep. very pro dry brining and then you wipe the salt off and then you season it you keep the salt on I keep the salt on <laughs> amazing good to know it's like a it's like a steak you know you kind of have to over season yeah. the outside because then by the time you slice and chew it in your mouth it's mixing it's with the unseasoned and it's all perfect. I might have to just do that for a turkey just for fun okay, next yeah. week. <laughs> and then one other thing that I just feel like people ask about all the time because I think it's an old wives tale and you might disagree with this on it, but you never rinse your bird, correct? Correct. Yep. Right. So correct. glad we're on the same page. I think, I think a couple of years ago, someone dispelled that myth, but it's also like, if you think about it, no matter if like the worst thing in the world was on it, when you cook the bird correctly, to temperature, it kills off everything. So like, yeah, it doesn't matter what's on it. Like I've gotten a few right. turkeys, they even have the feathers still stuck on. I just leave it on there. Yeah, but, it's uh, all going to burn off in the off oven. You're, you're at 450 <laughs> degrees to start sometimes. Exactly. exactly. Sucker's burning right off. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, more, it's more sanitary. You're not uh, spraying turkey juices all over your kitchen. Okay, so a couple last questions just about life in Los Angeles and yeah. restaurants and stuff like that to finish up. But what is one or two of your favorite local places in LA that you guys have been getting delivery from or ordering in from or whatever, just like supporting in the last couple months since we don't go out to eat as much as we used to? <laughs> the number one is probably all time. I live in Los Feliz and they are literally two blocks away from me. The owners, Tyler and Ashley, are wonderful people and they have They've kind of been de facto like leaders in the restaurant world here when no one else is because they're like, you know, we're not going to open the restaurant for our dining in. We're going to keep doing takeout. And they've been kind of really great about that. And also their food, I think, really translates well to the takeout vibes. It was always like elevated things that you would make for yourself if you had the time. So I've been supporting them. I love them. We've been really getting into pizza during quarantine, which I've never been a pizza person, which is, I know it was like stupid to say because everyone loves pizza, but I've really been loving Antigo. A, their pizza is fantastic, but that ice cream that they make as well is the best ice cream, not even in LA ever. I'm writing this down and I'm going tomorrow to pick it up. (laughs) Get the pistachio vanilla crunch. You will die. It is. Really? I I think it's the best ice cream, period. In the, like in America. In America. Wow. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. So definitely get them, get their pizza too. And then, I mean, we go to Dune all the time because I Ugh, love that's Dune. like a weekly thing. So definitely Dune for sure. Yeah. yeah that's a good have you had the breakfast burrito at all time? Because I have not, but I've seen it on their menu and I need to go do it. Oh, yeah. Several times you should get it. Okay. It comes okay. with either avocado or bacon or both. I get both because why not? But you can definitely yeah. split it up into two days. It's a big burrito. 
Yeah. Or like breakfast and then lunch. Yeah. Like, like you have like half of it at 8 a.m. and half of it at noon. <laughs> and then like you don't have dinner. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's perfect. Yep. Okay. And then one more question. What TV show have you binged or just started watching during quarantine that is like, or if there's more, more, but like what has been like your shining star in the last eight months? Ooh, okay. So we definitely, I remember, I guess, I, you know, quarantine, the beginning of quarantine literally feels 10 years ago. So my concept of time is a little off. I know. But I think we watched, I know we definitely watched um, Lovecraft Country because um, that came on like back in August, I think. Okay. Fantastic. I love, I mean, I'm a big kind of like horror person and this was like a horror sci-fi adventure show. Wonderful. I loved it, loved it. Then, you know, we've been watching other TV shows, but honestly, because... It's, you know, early November. We've been watching all horror movies because we do a thing where we watch horror movies every single night of October and then all day on Halloween. Oh my God, I love that. We have like some weird dreams um, the, whole, <laughs> the whole week, yes. the whole month of October. So we've been watching a lot of horror movies. I'm trying to think what we even watched. There's been so many, but Lovecraft Country has been the main TV show, I would say, that we really looked forward to. This is a very, this is a very serious question then. If you could be friends with any of the housewives from any <laughs> of the cities, who would it be? And also, oh can we talk about the fact that Erica Jane just filed, filed for divorce? I mean, I feel really bad. This, it's funny because this one feels real. Like when people or celebrities or anyone gets divorced, it's been a couple of years. You're like, okay, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But for someone who's been married 21 years, I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of sad. That feels like a, like, like a very real thing. Okay, so I have to I have to pick one from at least each franchise. Okay, much, I, tell I me. Can't otherwise, the Beverly Hills would definitely be Erica. I love her the most. Obviously, uh, her personality is wonderful. Atlanta is my second favorite, and definitely Candy. She's my favorite. Yeah, um, she's the OG. And then, do you watch Potomac? I just started uh, it. It I is know. I'm late. Top tier, the best of the best. Like no. Oh my god! And for that one, definitely Karen. Um, she's the best. And those those shows are crazy, but they are kind of needed in times like this to kind of. Clean you do. Them. You just have to turn <laughs> off. You just turn have off. to be able to watch something mindlessly and not like yes. analyze life or whatever correct. it is. Correct. Correct. Oh my God. Well, maybe one day we can have Erica and you over for a pizza party because I know she'll eat carbs. It will happen. And we'll just have, yeah, like I feel like that feels really right for 2021. Friendsgiving 2021. (laughs) Put it out in the world. It will happen. (laughs) You're invited. Ben and I are cooking. We won't let anybody bring anything you can bring about alcohol. She'll love that. That'd be perfect. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell everybody where they can find you. Instagram, Twitter, all the things. Uh, Instagram and Twitter are both Ben B Mims. And then I'm not on Facebook anymore. So don't look for me there at latimes.com and on recipes.latimes.com. That's our recipe site. And I always tell people that the recipe site does not have a paywall. So you can go look at all those recipes all you want. But then also, you know, would love it if people signed up, uh, subscribe to latimes.com. Uh, to get all the articles and everything, but you can find me there. Yeah, and it's hot fire content and everything Ben was talking about earlier about the Thanksgiving articles coming out. I will get the links and put them in the show notes so you guys can go read them because they'll be good, I promise. Awesome, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thanks, Ben. Yeah, absolutely, thank you, Gabby. All right, that's a wrap. I hope you guys enjoyed that. He is amazing. If you don't already follow him on Instagram, you absolutely should. I will put his handle in the show notes. Happy Monday. 
All right, that's it for today's Web Scobby Cooking in the Wild. Be sure to tune in for new episodes on Mondays. And if you have any questions you want answered, give us a call at 1-888-338-4429 and leave me a voicemail. Or if you know a super cool small company that you want to be highlighted, let me know in the voicemail as well. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen and follow along with What's Gobby Cooking on Instagram and Twitter. And for more recipes, check out my website, whatscobbycooking.com. See you guys very soon.